have your Bibles tonight, would you turn uh, to John chapter 8? John chapter 8. I want to read one very well known verse. John chapter 8 and verse 32. Just once you're there, if you would uh, stand with me tonight, uh, just for the reading of this one verse, you'll know it very well. John 8 and verse 32. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And let us all read it together. John 8 and verse 32. Let's read it together. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Father, tonight we just pray your blessing upon your word. Glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go over these next few Wednesday nights. So just uh, the Lord has just quickened uh, just some messages. Uh, I just entitled it as a, a series, I suppose, as the truth for the truth for. And um, you know, there's a great war going on for for truth in amongst the Church of Jesus Christ. The devil hates the truth because the truth makes men free and. We know that that truth is a person, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there is a war for truth. The truth is always the truth. That is God's truth, that's God's word. But there is a battle for that truth, and it's the enemy that always would seek to bring doubt upon truth or to corrupt the truth by sowing in a mixture in amongst that truth that makes men free. How many people know that the truth makes us free? Amen. The Bible says that the Son shall make us free. You'll be free indeed. And that is the power of God's word. In Hebrews chapter 4, again, you'll know some of these verses very well. But just as a subheading tonight, I'm going to speak on the truth for, and the subheading would be, familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And this is the truth for. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says these words for the word of God is quick and is powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of souls and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart the power of God's word the word of God the word of truth sets men free we read here that it is living, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces right into the depths of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can see why the devil fears the Word of God, the Word of truth. Jeremiah 23, 29 Word of God tells us there is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. This is the power of God's word. Jeremiah says it's my word not like a fire. The Lord speaking like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And it's so important then that we understand the word and we appreciate the word and we're thankful for God's word. You know, the danger is, it's found in Hebrews 4 and 2, when the gospel is preached, and I'm not just speaking of the gospel uh, in the sense of preaching to the unsaved, but the full counsel of God when it is preached, that it is 
it is important that it is mixed with faith in the hearers of the word of God. We can hear the word. In other words, what I'm saying is we can hear the verse in John 8 and verse 32. For you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The effectiveness of that word is only a reality when that word that we hear is mixed with faith in the hearer. So you can know the verse, quote the verse, have the verse on your wall, written down in a piece of paper, but if it's not mixed with faith, the effectiveness of God's word then is not profitable to you. And so what happens is we become familiar with the word of God. We become familiar with the verses, with the substance of the word, but then the word has actually no effect upon our lives. There's a phrase this phrase that I've mentioned as the title familiarity uh, breeds contempt. It's something that you've heard when you become familiar with something, when you have heard it so often that you've heard it for years, you've heard it preached, you've heard it said, you've quoted it yourself, we've sang about it, we've, we've, we've went to church and we've heard it from a young age and that's all very good. But then when, when that becomes familiar to us then, it is, it is mere words to the hearer. And so when it's not mixed with the faith that is required and appreciated for what it is, then it has no effect in the life of the individual. It is something that we have a head knowledge of. And this is something that's become a very common. We, we become unthankful. You know, the, the spirit of the age, if, if you turn over just with me, uh, what happens in the last days, and I believe this is one of the signs that will breed this familiarity in the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, the second epistle of Timothy chapter 3, in just those first two verses, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. So we hear these words on a regular basis, um, but yet the effectiveness of the word is somewhat tainted or diminished because in the next verse it tells us what happens to men and what is Paul is actually speaking what happens within the church he said men shall be lovers of themselves covetous boasters pride blasphemers blasphemers disobedient to parents but there there's that word they're unthankful unthankful there's an age that comes that I believe we're in that we're no longer a thankful people or appreciate those things which are precious. A preacher once said this, familiarity is one of the slyest agents of the underworld. I want you to hear this again. Familiarity is one of the slyest agents of the underworld. His commission from the black throne is clear, but it is fatal. He takes nothing from the victim but cause him only to take everything for granted. I want to say that again. Familiarity is one of the slyest agents of the underworld. His commission from the black throne is clear and fatal. Takes nothing from the victim, but cause him only to take everything for granted. He takes nothing from the victim, but causes him or her to take everything for granted. Familiarity has been the cause of countless deaths, accidents, has been the cause of the breakdown of 
the marriage union to so many. It has been the ruin of many a ministry's churches and it has swept across most or a lot of the Western church today, causing many for those things which are precious to become of no value. And so people lose their first love. They lose the passion that they once had, the, how precious it is to hear the testimony of Emma on Sunday night and how precious the Lord is to her and how fresh it is in her life and may not ever remain the case that it's so precious and so thankful that we're saved. But as the sweeping unthankfulness of the age comes across, I believe that that agent of the, of the, from the black throne, the slightest of all agents, is not so much to take from us, but just that we have so much that we take everything for granted. I got a wee report this morning from a, a, a pastor friend I've been communicating with, and you might have seen it on the news. He is a pastor, I've mentioned it before, in Lucknow, way up in the north of India, right in the center of it all. A couple of years ago, I think I brought the request that he had to close the church, or they were threatening this before COVID to close the church because of the persecution that they were under. And the minute he sent photographs and, and a report through, and it is absolutely horrifying what has taken place there. The, 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 the sweeping of this this virus, the deaths, the burning of bodies openly. There's no graves left, there's no coffins left, and they're in the midst of a very difficult situation. Many have died. And in the midst of all of that, you hear the thankfulness and the appreciation for being saved and being counted worthy in these days to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we have too much, then we become familiar when we have so much in abundance. We know so much, we have so much, but then we lose the value of something. We lose what really is important, what really is precious. You see, the, the agent from the black throne, as this preacher called it, his goal is simple, is to take that which is precious to us and make it common. That which is precious and make it common. In other words, that it has no real value. We, we do live in a throwaway society. We do live in a, in a society that has the abundance of everything. And we don't really value things. Maybe perhaps like a generation before us. Or the generation that came out of the war. Or through the war. The second world war. And into those hard times of the late 40s and 50s. That appreciated things. We're living in a day where we have so much. And I believe that that spirit, in some senses, has swept into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we very much take everything for granted. There are some things are precious. There's some things that are precious. The Bible calls them precious, and they are precious. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. The Bible tells us there that we're purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Is the blood of Jesus precious? Is it precious to you? 2 Peter 1 and 1 tells us that we have obtained the precious faith. 2 Peter 1 and 4 tells us there that what is given unto us is exceeding great and precious promises. The unity of the brethren in Psalm 120. 133, sorry, 
is likened to precious ointment. It's something that's precious. The blood is precious. The faith is precious. The precious promises of the Lord. Unity of the brethren is a precious thing. The, the word of God is the precious seed of God. There's the precious things of the house of God and the old. Just like is the precious souls that have been brought into the spiritual house. That's everyone that's saved in this room. You're precious in the sight of the Lord. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2 and 7. On the you therefore which believe. He is precious. Amen. Can I ask you a wee simple question? Is he precious? Amen. Is the Lord precious to you? Is he precious? Think about it for a moment. What is really precious in your life? What is really precious to us in the church today? Subconsciously or unintentionally, I believe that sometimes our, our priorities get a little bit out of order because there's a sense of familiarity can so easily sweep in that the things that are really important that the things that are really precious somehow become less precious and other things, even temporal things, temporal things become more important and more precious than Christ himself. Now we would find that a, a horrifying statement and we wouldn't even like to say that, but in practice or in reality, that's what it's become for some. If this last of all agents of hell achieves its goal, then the precious things that we're talking about tonight become common. Think about it, they become common even amongst God's people. Imagine that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, even though we know it's precious in, in our intellect and in our theology, but in our experience, is the blood still precious? Is it still something that you're so thankful for? Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus? Are you so thankful for the power that's in the blood of Jesus? Are you thankful for the deliverance that's in the blood of Jesus? Are you thankful for the healing that's in the blood of Jesus? It's so precious. It's precious blood. Are you thankful that you've been brought into the precious faith? Are you thankful? Are these the things that make you thankful? Are you thankful for the exceeding great and the precious promises? Are you thankful for the unity of the body? Is this a precious thing? Is it precious that there's a unity? Does it mean much? It should mean everything because the Bible says it's like the ointment. But you see, if we see the unity of the brethren as a common thing, that's how we'll treat it. It won't really matter. We, we can have our things and our bits and our bobs and our odd against the brother because it's not really a precious thing. It's a common thing. But if you've seen it and we've seen it as a precious thing, then everything's going to be different because we'll want to protect that which is precious. And so these are precious. You know what? I read a wee article in the light of this and it's about a woman it's a true story, a woman in France, and hanging on her wall for years and years and years, how she got it, I'm not sure, but in her kitchen, every day she'd go into her kitchen, she'd do her bits and pieces like everybody else, 
She'll go through the motions, cook the meals, do everything. And this went on for decades and decades. And in her later years, she wanted to sell the house. She got the oxen there out. There was an old painting hanging on the wall. And she got the ox. Hope that's still standing there. <laughs> panicking there. And we got the oxen here out. And he came out to come out to sell the house. And he walked in and he noticed the painting on the wall. It was a painting that had been lost for centuries from the 13th century. It sold for $26 million. And every day she walked into that kitchen, she cooked, she'd done everything. I'm sure there was a few times that she burnt the pan and the smoke and everything else. And never knew the value of what she had. Do we realize the value of what we have? The value of a soul that's saved. Well, we have heard all this before. Familiarity. We know all this. We were brought up in this. And we become familiar with the things the Bible says are precious. But when the precious things become common, we're in trouble. When the precious things become common, we're in trouble. Because the real war of truth will sweep in in deception. When we make the precious things common, then we're susceptible to deception. Then the word of God is not mixed with faith. Then there's no effect of the power of God's word and God's house. You think this doesn't happen? Familiarity will do that. We no longer see the value. We no longer see the wonder. And we no longer see the danger. How many accidents have happened because people have been familiar on a work site? They've become familiar with what they've done for years. And just one moment, in that moment of just being too familiar, an accident takes place. Familiarity breeds contempt. The word contempt means the feeling that a person or a thing is worthless or beneath consideration. Imagine, imagine this for a, for, a, for a moment. Imagine that Christ, who is precious to us, you believe, that in his own house was thought of something less than precious. That would horrify us, wouldn't it? Would you be horrified with that thought? And yet this familiarity has swept so much of the church that has now caused deception to very easily penetrate and the word of God to be twisted and the word of God to be added to and to be taken away from because we don't see how precious the truth is, the truth that makes us free. It happens in homes. It happens in marriages. It's the cause of many a divorce. We've become familiar. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will make us free. But what happens when the truth has no effect? We've been conned by one of the slyest of all agents. Familiarity. It happens in individuals. I can tell you it happened to me. Brought up in a Christian home, hearing the Christian truth, have a godly example as a mother and a father, hearing the gospel every Sunday, Sunday night, midweek, 
hearing it from a wee age, thank God for it, I wouldn't change any of that, but it became familiar, and so I didn't see the value in it, and it cost me greatly, but the mercy of God redeemed me. But we became familiar. It's a highly dangerous, effective weapon against the church of Jesus Christ, against truth. Can you imagine it happened in God's house? I'll take you to a story where it did. You'll know it well. Mark chapter 6. The first six verses tell us here of Jesus. Jesus came into his own country. His disciples followed him. It was the Sabbath day. He began to teach in the synagogue. Mark 6 verse 2. And many hearing him were astonished saying... From whence had this man, this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? There was an acknowledgement of who he was. But verse 3 says, you see, this is familiarity. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And Jesus said, Our prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And verse 6 says these words, And he marveled because of their unbelief. When they should have marveled at him, he marveled at them. When they should have been lost in the wonder of the presence of Jesus and all that he is and all of his splendor and all of his glory and all of his person, they should have been caught up in the wonder of it all. They should have marveled that Christ was standing in their midst. But he marveled at them. Familiarity. Is not this the carpenter? When familiarity becomes your friend, we're in a dangerous place. Remember, he doesn't come to take anything from you. He just comes to make that which is precious come. We don't see the things pertaining to the faith as precious. And then the truth that makes us free has no effect. It's tragic, isn't it? Do we take things for granted? I think there's been a sense of a theme. I think that the Lord, not a thing, I know that the Lord is prompting us, is pointing something out. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Are you thankful for what the Lord means to you? Who he is? For his blood? For his hand? For his keeping power? Are you thankful for your wife? Men, are you thankful for your wife? Women, are you thankful for your husband? Are you thankful for your family? Are you thankful for your children? Are you thankful for your job? Are you thankful for your health? Are you thankful for your breath? Are you thankful for the gathering of God's people? Are you thankful for the songs of Zion? Are you thankful for the preaching of God's word? Are you thankful? Well, we hear this every week. 
Familiarity is a terrible disease. It's the slash of all the agents of hell. When familiarity becomes your friend, and when that spirit sweeps over, that which is precious becomes common. What a tragedy. We don't see the things pertaining to the faith as precious. What was our verse tonight? Would you quote it with me again? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Would you say it again? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How many people know that's a reality? And ye shall know the truth. How do we beat this? How do you beat this spirit, this agent of familiarity? How do you beat it? How do, how do you take it on? Because, friends, it's, it's rampant. The spirit of the age is unthankfulness. It really is the spirit of the age. That's all around us. No one, listen, everyone's complaining about something. <coughs> we're complaining about everything. Yet we have everything, but we're still complaining about everything. How do we really beat it? I believe we really beat it by being thankful. Mm -hmm. Are you thankful? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 says these words, And everything give thanks. And everything, and everything, in the good, in the bad, the not so great, we're to give thanks. And the Bible says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, concerning me. We beat this by being thankful. Can I ask, are you thankful? I mean, if, if, if you were to get the opportunity now to stand to your feet, would you be able to fill the time by just standing for a few moments and going, I'm so thankful for the Lord. I'm so thankful for what he's done. I'm so thankful that I'm saved. I, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done. So thankful for the provision of the Lord. So thankful for the goodness of... I'm so thankful for the long-suffering of God. I'm so thankful. I don't understand how. I don't understand why sometimes. But I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful that he's kept us. I'm so thankful that he didn't give up on us. Many would have given up, but he never gave up on us. I'm so thankful that he's kept us by his power. I'm thankful... I'm so thankful for the wife that he's given me. I'm thankful for the sons that I have. I'm thankful. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for the roof over your head? Are you, are you thankful that you got a good dinner tonight before you came out? I hope you did. And if you didn't, it wasn't probably too long ago that you did have a good dinner. If someone says, I didn't get one. Listen, you got one earlier on. Nobody's starving here. Trust me. Nobody's starving. We're blessed. We're blessed, brothers and sisters. We're thank we beat this by being thankful. 
I just said thank God by thanking one another for the service and for the for the things that we do in encouragement to one another by thanking your husband or thanking your wife or thanking for the home that you have or thanking your children. Just say thank, thank God for all the blessings of the Lord. But you see this old spirit of familiarity is so common now and so rife and actually at end to the truth war. Because when we don't see this as precious, see when we don't see this as precious, see when this is common, see when see when we can read this, and whatever we're reading, it doesn't really matter. I've done the verse, but that verse has actually no effect. See when we read it, and it's there's a challenge in it to our hearts about how we're to live, how we're to be. How we're to interact, how we're to how we're to conduct ourselves in conversation, in our interaction, the things in our heart, not so much the outward, but the things that are in the depths of our heart. And we can just read that and then that has no effect on us. I want to tell you what's happened. Familiarities become your friend. The slightest of all the agents of hell has become your chum. And now you can read the word of God. We have read tonight that the truth makes us free, but we can read the verse, we can read the word, and it has no effect on us. Actually, it has no application to us. We can read it, but it doesn't apply to me. What has happened? The word of God, which is precious, has become common. It's become common. How precious is God's word? Do you know it's so precious that we have a Bible in our hands. Do you, do you understand that, brothers and sisters? Do you know what's so precious that I have a Bible tonight? I have more than one, but it's such a precious thing that I have a Bible. And see when that becomes familiar, the cost that men give, the way, that we might have a Bible in our hands tonight, that we might stand and open the word of truth and preach the word of truth. Do you know how precious that is? Do you know that there are people across this world that would give their life, give their blood to have the liberty that we have? It's such a precious thing. But familiarity is an awful thing. Are you thankful? You see, this topic is about truth. The Word of God is truth. And we must treat it as truth. There's no buts. There's no interpretations, even though I know a lot of people say, well, what about end times? No, no, this, this is the word of God. And this is a precious thing. But when we become familiar, then what happens is, oh, God forbid that it would ever happen here. God forbid that it would ever happen to any life it loses its effectiveness. Effectiveness in our lives. We want the Word of God to have effect. Subtle, but definite. When we don't see the value or how precious truth is, 
We become familiar with speaking it, hearing it, but then it has no effect. That's a tragedy, isn't it? So we make an excuse. We make an excuse for sin. That's what's happening across the church today because this isn't precious any longer. It's open to men's opinions and debates. So we make excuse for sin. We make excuse for conduct because that which is precious has become common. Oh, for a deluge of Holy Ghost. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 5, there is a remedy, thank God. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6 says these words. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6 says these words. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? I want to ask you a question. How much familiarity should you have? It's like saying, how much poison would you want in your glass of water? Bible says, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread, what does it say, of sincerity? Listen to the truth. What does the truth do? It makes us free, doesn't it? There's a purging. There's a purging of the old. It's done by the grace of God. It's done by a sincere heart saying, Lord, oh God, purge me of the old. I want to be a new lump. Anybody want the, a fresh purging? Do, do you believe that the church needs to be purged? Purge out the old. That we be that new lump. That we may serve the Lord with unleavened bread. The unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Brothers and sisters, has familiarity become your friend? Has familiarity become your friend? Has it caused the precious things to become common? Oh God, purge us out of the old and let the word of God have an effect. Because you see, if the word of God has a real powerful effect on us, you know what will happen? It'll have an effect beyond these four walls. Yeah. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Oh, I've heard that for years. How many times you met people that were able to quote the scriptures to you in time, quote the word of God, but has had no effect on them because it's not mixed with faith. Why? I've heard it for years. Oh God, deliver us from familiarity. May we be purged and be that new love. Do you know how you beat familiarity? Just start thanking the Lord and praising Him. Just start thanking Him for all that He's done. I tell you, I would say it's right, but if one by one we just took it in turns and come up to this platform, 
I just took it in terms of thanking the Lord. I, I dare say we'd still be here at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. It's a good thing to give thanks. This is the will of God. And the way that we beat this is to start appreciating what we have. So, you know, the words on a search for something more. But we have found the pearl of greatest price. It's him. We're here tonight to thank him because he is precious. Isn't he precious? Isn't the Lord precious? Have you something to be thankful for? I've heard this before. Sorry to disturb the great sleep of death. But I tell you, friends, this is what makes us susceptible to deception when the precious things become common. You're wondering why things are going on and you see things today, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, that you're wondering how those things can go on in the house of God. That you're asking yourself the question, how can those things happen? I don't want to be judgmental, but how can those things take place in the house of God and nobody seems to be concerned? Do you want me to tell you how? The slash of all the agents of hell, familiarity crept in, and the word of God is no longer precious. And that means when it's not precious, the common things are brought in. And that's an offense to a holy God. God, purge out the old, keep it ever fresh. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in every life in this room. Thank you, Lord, for your precious blood tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your good hand upon our lives. Thank you, Lord, for all that you mean to each and every one of us. Oh, God, we pray that we'd so fill this place with thankfulness tonight, Lord, even against our feelings, against what we think, against what we may think that others may think, Lord. For deliver us, Lord, from our own thoughts and our own flesh. Lord, we pray that we'd be truly thankful. Yes. Truly thankful for all that you've done. And may the precious things forever be precious. Forever be precious. Lord, you are everything in our lives tonight, Lord. Oh, God, we worship you. We praise you tonight. We glorify your name. Lord, you're worthy. Oh, God, you said, Lord, if, the, if we would not thank you and praise you, Lord, you'd cause the very rocks to cry out. Lord, you have saved us. We are those living stones. Lord, you have brought us in. You have placed us into your body. Oh, God, tonight we're so thankful. Oh, we're thankful for all that you've done. Lord, all that you're going to do, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful for Jesus tonight, Lord. Oh, God, deliver us from apathy. Lord, we pray, put a hedge around this work. Lord, that keeps out the familiarity. That keeps out the familiar spirit, oh God. Lord, that keeps out, oh God, Lord, that slyest of all agents. Lord, may this house ever be thankful for all that you've done for us. 
All that you're doing, your blessings, Lord, that you bestow upon us. Lord, your goodness, Lord, for providing for us. The blessing, Lord, you've opened the windows of heaven and you've blessed us, Lord. Surely our cups are full and they're running over with blessings. And, oh, God, tonight we thank you. We bless your name tonight, Lord. Lord, you are worthy and you're precious in this house, oh, God. Oh, God, you're just not another visitor, Lord. You are our all in all. You are our center. You are our joy. You are our hope, Lord. You are our everything, Lord. Oh, God, it's all because of you, Lord. The gathering is on to you, Lord. Oh, God, tonight we're so thankful, Lord. Oh, God, forgive us, Lord, for the apathy, Lord. Lord, forgive us for going through the motions, Lord. Lord, forgive us, Lord. Lord, for making the precious things common. Oh, God, have mercy upon us, Lord. Lord, when we think of so many, Lord, across this world, Lord, and the turmoil that they're in, Lord. Oh, Father, tonight, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, make us truly thankful tonight, Lord. Oh, God, may this house, Lord, and every vessel in it, every precious vessel in the sight of God in this house tonight, Lord, may it be to the praise and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. May we purge out the old, Lord. Lord, may we thank you, Lord, tonight with all of our hearts. We praise you, Lord. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Lord, anoint the next one that we pray, Lord, in thankfulness, Lord. Lord, would you just touch them afresh tonight? Touch us all, Lord, with the living coal of the altar. In Jesus' name.